minutes and then it's good afternoon. I trust you are well today. All right, so um, I want to re-emphasize one or two things before I share the word. Uh, but before I do that, I want to acknowledge one of our old-time members visiting us today. It's good to see Sally. Sally, where are you? Come on. Yeah, Sally is one of the veterans um, of this church many, many years ago, was there when we began. Was, uh, I even lived with, with her family for a few months, amen, and it was a wonderful time for them. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to continue our series, Arise and Shine. This is part four, and I'm talking on how to fulfill your vision, how to fulfill your vision. Um, before I do that, I want to re-emphasize our School of Evangelism. How many of you have registered for the School of Evangelism? Can I see? Okay, one, or, one faithful person. If you're a leader in this church, could you stand, please, so that I can see your holy face? If you're a leader in this church, stand. Let's see your holy, lovely, wonderful face. If you are a leader, if you are aspiring to leadership, you best stand as well. <laughs> if you should be a leader, you should also stand. <laughs> All right, God bless you. You may take your seats again. And um, if you love Jesus, could you stand? If you just love Jesus, if you love Jesus, I'm asking, if you love Jesus, could you stand? If you hate Jesus, remain seated. If you, um, all right, God bless you. You can take your seats. Wonderful, simple, very easy. Just so that you know, all of you who sta stood should register. No, you can now sit down, Frankie. It's okay. Yeah. You should register for the School of Evangelism. Of course, it's limited spaces. Um, I think there's a little bit of confusion about the cost. So let me just explain the costs. Um, so uh, for, it's four sessions we're doing, four weekends, all right? So for all four weekends, if you register before, before when? Before when, Father? Before? Before Thursday, it will cost you 80 pounds. Am I right? Good. So that's for all four weekends. If, however... Before, um, before Thursday, you decide to register um, early, then it's what? For each one, it's what? 25 pounds. Yeah? Right, excellent. So if you register early, it's 25 pounds. Otherwise, after Thursday, um, if you register, it is what? 30 pounds. That's right. So that's basically it. So I want to encourage you to register. This is a course we have prepared for those of you who have a burden to evangelize, to be trained in soul winning, to be empowered. And we do the training on Friday, Saturday, and then we also go out for practicals. Amen. So uh, say to your neighbor, you need that course. Say to your neighbor, you need that course. Now tell him, tell him you need that course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. And then another thing I want to plug is a marriage enrichment seminar. If you're a married person and... Uh, you, you, if you're married um, and you want to remain married, <laughs> no, because not everybody who's married wants to remain married. Why don't you stand where, where you are? No, just stay there, stay there, stay there. Because this could be telling, you know. Because you can't lie, this is a holy assembly. You know, you can't stand when you really want to remain seated. But anyway, if you're a married person, I want to encourage you to register for this seminar, which... I will be empowering you in, and uh, it's uh, two weeks' time. There's three of them. So there's one in Saturday the 25th, 
Saturday the 22nd of July, and then Saturday the 28th of October. So I want to encourage you to register, uh, make it a day. You know, as a pastor, I've been doing so much marriage counseling over the years, and most of the times, I will counsel people, they'll come and see me after a seminar that they didn't attend. And then they want my wisdom, my godly wisdom. Am I seeing correct there? Is that Rachel? Is that Rachel Edwards? Okay, no, it's not. Somebody looks, somebody looks like, somebody looks like a, another old member. I'm sorry. I'm just looking. You don't know who you are, so I'm just looking over there. Somebody over there. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so they'll come to me for counseling. And at times, it's very tempting for me to say, no, I'm not going to counsel you. I'm not going to counsel you because you didn't attend my seminar. Of course, I've never done that. And, and I will never do that by the grace of God um, because I'm trying to be a Christian. So, um, but having said that, I would really encourage you to go on these seminars because they will really help you. Uh, the goal of these seminars is to help the couples when they attend to work on their marriage. So whatever the issues are, as you are in the session, we get you to talk to each other about the issues in your marriage. And no matter how long you've been married, you need input. Amen. Amen. All right, enough of that. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Our key text, arise and shine, or arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. We have been talking about the fact that this year we are believing God to arise and to shine. This is your year of shining. Say, this is my year of shining. This is the year where you will begin to allow what God has invested in you all these years to come out. At times, we allow ourselves to be stuck in a rut that God never intended for us. And we believe that this year for us as a church in particular, we are going to begin to shine like never before. And uh, so what we have been talking about is how to shine. How to shine and fulfill the vision that God has for us in 2017. Beloved, there is a mandate on your life. There is a call of God upon you. There is something specific and significant that God has ordained for you through the seasons of your life. And most believers never discern with accuracy the mind of God concerning their lives and live their life wasting the opportunities God has for them. But I am believing that will not be your story in Jesus' name. And so we talked about how to shine, and I want to just briefly go through some of the things we've already said. Number one, we said... You must understand your mission. If you want to shine in 2017 or even throughout your life, you must understand your mission. Your mission speaks of why you exist, why you are alive. So you must understand why you, as a child of God, are alive. Number two, we said identify the vision of God for your life. Identify the vision of God for your life. In other words, what does God want you to do within a specific time frame? And uh, for all of us, there are seasons and timings to our lives. And we need to be like the men of Isaac who had understanding of the times and understood what Israel ought to do. You must understand what you are supposed to do 
in the seasons of God for your life so that you are not doing what you were not meant to do. Too many times people look back, we look back on our lives and we realize we've missed opportunities. But beloved, there is a mind of God concerning you. And concerning this year in particular, there is things that God has on your heart to do. Thirdly, we said you must narrow your emphasis as you pursue your vision. Often when people have a vision or a mandate, they allow themselves to be distracted by doing too many things and doing even sometimes the right thing at the wrong time. And for us as a church, our emphasis this year is leadership, evangelism, and the power of God, or leap. This is a year that we are believing God to leap. And for us to leap, there's a double meaning, leadership, evangelism, and power, but also it means we will do something that we have not done before. We will do something in God that we have not done before. Number four, we said if you want to shine in 2017, make yourself available to serve the interests of your vision or make yourself available to serve, to serve. Make yourself available. Say to your neighbor, be available. Come on, say to somebody, be available. Beloved, if you don't make yourself available, life will give you things to do. Yeah. If you don't focus your attention on the key things that are important to you, circumstances will come that will make a demand of your time. And you will find that you are always busy. These days, one of the buzzwords I hear is, I am very busy. Pastor, I'm very busy. You know, everybody, like I said the other day, everybody is busy. Even my six-year-old is busy. Yeah. When it's time for him to go to bed, he said, I'm busy. I'm finished. Five more minutes. Five more minutes is a new catchphrase he's got. Five more minutes. Some of us, we, we, we don't want to be saying to God five more minutes when it's time to, to move on. Amen. So you must make yourself available to serve. Isaiah 6, 8. The Lord asks the question. He says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Unless you make yourself available to God, he's not going to send you. You see, at times, I hear people say something like this. God has laid this thing on my heart. God has put this vision on my heart. God has, is calling me to do this. There are some people who have told me for the last 20 years how God was going to use them a certain way to, to give me a building. <clears throat> we are still waiting, as you can see. The point is, is this. Until you make yourself available to God, he cannot use you concerning the assignment he has for your life. Now, at times, people also hide behind, I am not ready. I'm not ready. How many of you feel like you're not ready at times to do what God is calling you to do? How many? You know, over here, I don't know what's happening. I'm asking the question. How many of you at times feel like you're not ready? You know God is calling you. How many of you always know you are ready? You are ever ready. Can I see Wale says, Wale and who else? Yeah, and, and to, tossing. Yes, I, get, I get it mixed up. Um, oh, they, they are ever ready. But most normal human beings, 
do not tend to always feel ready. You know, at times, you are ready to preach. I remember as a young believer, I'll be, I'll be ready to preach. Ready to minister the word. How many of, at times, you, you feel like you should be preaching on Sunday instead of me? Come on, let me see. Be honest. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, raise, raise. This is, I want to see, I want, I want to be encouraged. You, you, listen, there were many times I felt when I was in my old church that I should be preaching when the pastor was preaching. The man will be preaching, preaching, and I'll be seeing myself there. I think, man, and well, with my spiritual father, not so much. It was more some of the other guys. I'll be thinking, man, I think I could do better than that. I know as I'm ministering, some of you are thinking, nah, I think I can do better than that. Yeah, you probably can. But are you available? You see, you have to learn to be available whether you feel ready or not. Paul said to Timothy, be instant in season out of season. You have to be always ready. At times, and I remember my pastor would always ask me to minister the word when I didn't feel ready. When I wasn't feeling on fire for God, when I was going through some testing times. How many of you go through testing times in your faith? And the last thing you want is to be asked to minister the word of God to somebody. Yeah. I mean, so many times I can remember. I can't even remember once my pastor asking me, maybe the first time. I can't even, no, I don't even remember that. It wasn't like that. Every time I was asked, I never felt ready. But I always said yes. And it prepared me for the ministry. Because in the ministry, there are times the last thing you want to do is go to church. How many of you have times, you don't, how many of you even today, you didn't feel like coming to church? Come on. Listen, it is not a strange phenomenon. Because sometimes the pastor themselves, we, we don't feel like coming to church on a Sunday. Yeah, there's many good programs that seem to come on on Sundays. So make yourself available to serve. Quickly, number five. We said you must focus on the specific goal that you are pursuing under that emphasis. Focus on specific goals. Focus on specific goals. This means you narrow your efforts to that emphasis that the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart in the seasons you're dealing with. Now, again, we said last time, we ministered two weeks ago, until you make yourself available to serve and to pursue a specific vision, you will never accomplish your mission or your purpose in life. You have to take steps, and you have to be focused in those steps. And, beloved, as you start taking steps, you will meet obstacles. It is part of life. Anything God calls you to do comes with challenges. There is no man or woman of God that has been used mightily and effectively that was never discouraged in the process. That never felt like quitting. The fact that at times you feel like giving up doesn't mean you should stop focusing. I tell you, there are times that in my journey, I have felt so weak so tired that I have just wanted to give up. There is a saying, the world is run by tired people. And if we yielded to that, 
there is no way we, we would know what we know today. So I want to encourage you, be focused. Be focused on that which God has laid on your heart to do this year. Be focused on it. No matter what is opposing you, focus. Number six, and I want to conclude on this part of our teaching on our rise and shine today. Be willing to invest financially to support your vision. Be willing to invest. Put your money where your mouth is. Listen to me very carefully. Anything that God calls you to is going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your emotions. Cost you nervous energy. And it's going to cost you money. Sometimes it will even cost you relationships. Yeah. You have to be willing to invest in what God has called you to do. And in particular, you have to invest with your money. Let me tell you something. If you believe that you should study, you should go into further education, and all you're going to do is to rely on the state to bankroll that vision, you're not serious. Because sometimes the state will not accommodate the vision God has for your life. Are you still here or have you gone home? I want to ask you, what are you willing to invest financially into when it comes to your vision? How much are you willing to give? So, for instance, let, let me just put it like this. Those of you who have a calling to evangelism, raise, let me see, evangelism, wave. Ah, what's wrong with you today? How many of you, you have a, a burden to share the gospel? Okay, that's, share the gospel. You have a burden. Anyone? Wave, wave. Hey, this side, there is something happening. I rebuke that spirit. Leave them in Jesus' name. Go. Now, let me tell you something. I have gone on courses. Like, I remember many years ago, I was interested to know how to cast out demons out of people. I didn't know that you could get trained for that. I just thought you just waited, you prayed, and then the anointing came. And uh, I remember at times I'll be doing exorcisms, and I'll be saying to the demon and the person, come out, and they'll just look at me. Come out. And so I'll say, come out. And they'll still look at me. So I said, come out. They'll still look at me. Then I went on this course on how to cast demons out. And you've heard me share the story. And these kind of old, elderly English women will be casting demons out. They say, now out you go. Come on. Out you go. And the finger, I'm like, ah. Here's my, come out. And they're not going. And this woman, out you go. Now, now. Come on. Out you go. Now, now. Out you go. What was the difference? The knowledge base. Now, once I got the training, I found out it was a lot easier to say, come out. And none of this struggle. I remember once, I remember the whole bunch of ministers, all of us, full of the anointing, the power of God in my hands. I put the end this one. One was quoting scripture. One was shouting, come out. I was saying, you're coming out. And the thing just looked at us like, <laughs> we're not going anywhere. But then you find ordinary, you know, people. And some of these people, they don't even pray long. We've been praying, praying, praying. Ah, fasting as well. How be it this kind come of not out? So we could even say, it is written. How be it this kind come of not out? But by prayer and fasting, King James Version. And the thing will still look at us. What's the difference? The knowledge. So I found that as I invested in books, 
reading books from godly men and women, going on courses, it increased my knowledge base and empowered me to move in the anointing that I believe God had called me to. You must be willing to invest financially. Now, let me say it like this. Investing in your vision effectively involves following kingdom principles of financial management. Now, listen, when God calls you to do something, it is different to when you yourself want to do something. When God calls you to do something, he will never compromise on his word concerning this. Now, I have written a book called The Disciple and Money, and I want to encourage you to get it. It will really help you. If you've, and how many of you have read it so far? Reading it. And I, I bet you, you are, you are being helped. You better say yes, you know. You better say yes. <laughs> but it's, it's not so much, of course, it's about money, but it's more about how you worship God with your life. And the point is this. There are three key things that must be in place if you want to invest with your money concerning God's vision. First of all, you must practice generosity as a way of life. Now, I'm not talking about just you investing in a, a course for yourself. I'm talking about where you are investing financially concerning that which God has called you to do. There's a difference. Because you can invest in, in, in a course naturally and do well, and that's great. But when it comes to the vision of God for your life, you have to embrace kingdom values. And a key kingdom principle is the way of the generous spirit, the practice of generosity as a way of life. Secondly, you must learn to use money wisely from a kingdom perspective, not just being frugal. We're talking about how you shine in 2017, how you fulfill the vision God has for your life. And it will always involve money. And you must learn to use your money wisely from a kingdom perspective. And thirdly, you must sow into the lives of those who empower you in your vision. Now, I have to declare an interest because obviously I, I empower people to fulfill their vision. So I'm not going to lie. Obviously, as I say this, in some way, some of the water comes back. I'm sorry if it's like that, but just telling you the truth. I'm not going to pretend, you know, just pretend. It doesn't matter. No, it, I'm just being honest. I have to be. So I wrote in my notes, declare an interest now so that when you go to court, you can say I declared an interest. So the first thing is practice Generosity as a way of life. Learn to be a giver if you want to fulfill God's vision for your life. As a principle, there are many people who don't have money who are stingy. I have discovered this. There are many people who don't have money who are stingy. It's not just people who have a lot of money who are stingy. There are many of them who are stingy as well. You know what stingy means? Uh, is that the right English? Yeah. If I was in Ghana, maybe they wouldn't understand it, but you understand stingy. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Look at what he says. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. These are principles of generosity. 
You see, at times we are wondering why God is not empowering us financially. Because he cannot trust us with much. It's a principle. Now, we're talking about how to shine. And there is no vision that God will give you that's not going to demand finance. On this side of eternity. In one way or another. Anything God has called you. And beloved, your circumstances does not determine how God empowers you. No, 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 no. In my book, one of the things I say is this. There is a difference between prosperity and riches. Most people equate prosperity with riches. It's so false. In God's kingdom, it's not about having a lot of money. It's about being empowered to fulfill your assignment. So don't think that because you may not have a lot of money in your pocket, it doesn't apply to you. It applies to you more. It applies to you more. You must learn to be a person who scatters. That word scatter means you give out, you give out, you give out. He says, there is one who scatters. In other words, they're a sower. And yet they increase more. It's a way of life. I want to encourage you not just to think about you give money to the church and so you've done your bit. No, but to practice generosity as a way of life. If you want to fulfill God's assignment for your life. He says, the generous soul will be made rich. He's not just talking about financial riches. Will be enriched in themselves. Will be fulfilled in themselves. Yeah. You must be willing to sow financially into any God-given venture you commit to. Whether it's personally or whether it's what your church is doing. You must be willing to commit financially. Until you're willing to put your money into something, you don't really believe in it. And let me say it like this. In our church here, those of you who call yourself members of this church, who call yourself part of this church, until you are supporting our work financially, you don't really believe in us. It's true. Because, listen, at times people tell me, you know, oh, what a powerful ministry, what a wonderful work. But when it comes to their money, it's somewhere else. Listen, it is not your praise that pays the bills. Amen. I look at you looking at me all serious now. Hey, he's talking about money. Nervous. Yeah. It is money that pays the bills. At times, at times, right, when we, when we hold seminars and we charge, people say, hey, these days you're charging. You know why we charge? So that we can pay for the bill. Say, but we, we already give our tax. And at times the people who are saying we already give, they don't give anything, you know. Huh. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 7. It says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Look at this. God empowers you, so that you have an abundance for every good work. As believers of the new covenant, our approach to money is different. First of all, when you sow financially, God doesn't give you back money. Let me just be clear. In this verse, he tells you, he doesn't give you back money. He gives you grace. The ability to fulfill assignment. So just because you give money doesn't mean you're going to get money back. But how we give is so important. This is why I want to encourage you. Certainly, if you're a guest in this church, don't ever feel compelled to give. 
Certainly, our members here, there were many generous people in this church who give very freely. I never want to encourage people to just give. No, no, no. Because the church will take your money, but you will have no blessing. If you give because you felt forced to give, we will take the money because we are not God. We can't watch, we don't know what's happening in your heart. You know, so the, the, the thing comes around and says, hey, everybody's giving, I better give as well. I remember one day, certain believers went to a certain church, I won't name the church, and the preacher was preaching, and he said, nobody is moving this row until you all give. And because these members had been well trained, they just said, well, we are going to have a long wait in this place because we are not giving. You must never give out of compulsion. No, never. I don't believe in that. We'll take your money for sure, but you won't be blessed. Amen. That's the truth. Never. Never ever feel forced to give. However, this is how God likes us to give. Cheerfully, hilariously, willingly. So when you are investing in your vision, do it with joy. Whether you are paying for a course, whether you're giving something, whether you're investing for the future, if you are doing it as a kingdom principle, do it with joy. Because that's how the blessing comes. Secondly, we said use your money wisely. Use your money wisely. Now, how do you use your money wisely in the kingdom of God? How do you use your money wisely? It is different to how you use your money in the world. Luke chapter 16, verses 8 to 13. I want to read this. It says, so the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly or wisely. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Ten. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either... He will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, these verses, there's so much in them, and I've taught, of it, taught from it in the past, about how we worship God and about how we prepare for eternity as children of God. And in this context in particular, he is showing us the relationship between how we handle our money and how it affects our standing in the age to come. Now, if you carry on reading in Luke 16, you find that after the Lord said this, the scripture says, the Pharisees who loved money derided him. They literally laughed at him to scorn when they heard him say this. I wonder if you were laughing as I was sharing this. They laughed at him. They thought, nonsense. What do you mean? And then the Lord opened their eyes into eternity and showed them the difference between two individuals who had one with the right attitude towards money and one with the wrong attitude. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man trusted in his riches to the point where he relied on it to see him through life. The poor man, Lazarus, I guess by implication because he had no riches, 
trusted in God's word in spite of his poverty. And so when he died, he went to Abraham's bosom. Beloved, the poor man didn't go to Abraham's bosom because he was poor. He went to Abraham's bosom because he trusted in the law and the prophets. And the rich man didn't go to Hades because he was rich. He went to Hades because he trusted in his riches. That's the difference. And what our Lord is showing us in this statement that I read is this. The dangers of trusting in your riches because that is not using money wisely. So how you use money wisely is, first of all, by seeing money as a benefit to the kingdom. See money as a benefit to the kingdom. Verse 8, that shrewd um, manager dealt wisely because he used his position to secure his future. And so what the Lord is teaching is that we must learn to use money in such a way that when money fails, what we did with it receives us in the eyes of God. Verse 9, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That word unrighteous is deceitful. Deceitful, why? Because money has a way of giving you a false sense of security. How many of you, if you had a million pounds in your account now, you'll feel a lot better about life and Brexit? Come on, see, don't even lie. Me, I know for sure. If you have a million pounds, okay, maybe for you, some of you, a million is not enough. I, I can tell some of you entrepreneurs, you need 10, 10 million, yeah? You know, I have said to the Lord, if you give me one billion, I've already spent it, one billion. I know I'm going to use that money. Somebody, one of my friends said to me, Joe, you don't even know what you're talking about. One billion is a lot of money. Yeah, you, you, you carry on. I know what I'll do with one billion. Hallelujah. <laughs> Money is very deceptive. It gives you a false sense of security. So another thing is this. We appreciate money with an eternal perspective as we are handling it wisely. So if you're handling money wisely, one of the things is as you use it, you think of eternity. Whether it's looking after your family, which is very important, whether it's helping somebody, whether it's investing in your future, which is very important, but you will have an eternal perspective. Many believers are no different from unbelievers in how they handle money. There is no difference. Well, because you tithe, listen, just because you tithe doesn't mean squat if it's not done in faith. Again, we will thank you for your tithing. God bless your life. But it doesn't mean anything if you are not doing it in faith. No. You use money wisely when it is being used with an eternal perspective. We use money wisely when we learn to be faithful with what we have. Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Listen to me. God sees money as what is least. We see money as what is great. God sees money as what is least. And so how we handle the little or the abundant that we have will determine our level of trustworthiness as far as God is concerned. Remember, we're talking about kingdom perspective, not from the natural perspective. We as believers must never feel afraid to talk about money. If we are talking about it from a kingdom perspective, 
The fact that there's been so much abuse on the subject does not mean we should shy away from what the Word of God has to say. Can you say amen? And we need to recognize the true value of money in comparison to God's kingdom. He calls it that which is least. That which is least. Fourth point. We recognize that our faithfulness with money is tied to how it affects God's kingdom. Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Listen to me. The true riches has to do with your destiny. It has to do with your purpose in life. It has to do with that which God ordained for you on this earth. That's the true riches. Because that's how you're going to be rewarded in the age to come. In the age to come, you're going to be rewarded based on why you came on the earth. And he says, if you have not been found faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will give you the true riches? All of you, there are true riches in you. It's the vision that you're carrying. That's the true riches. The vision you carry is the true riches. The thing that is in you that God wants to see realized through you, that's the true riches. But he says, I'm never going to give that to you until I can trust you with what is least. Until I can trust you with what is least. Does it mean you give all your money to the church? Of course not. Again, I'll tell you, that's for the church. Bless us. We will take it though. We will take it, but no. Does it mean you have to give big offerings? No, not necessarily. Unless that's part of your stewardship. But it means you honor God in how you give. It means you honor God in how you use what you have. It means you honor God every step of the way in how you look after your family, how you look after those who are in need, how you help others, how you utilize your money even for yourself. You honor God through it. Another point in these verses in verse 11 is this. We recognize that our faithfulness with money is tied to how it affects God's kingdom. He says, if you have not been faithful in our righteous man, I've already quoted, it will give you the true riches or trust you with the true riches. And then, listen to this, until you learn to use money God's way, you will never enter into that which is truly yours. And I've seen it with so many people over the years, too many. They are so busy using money to advance their agenda, they have missed why God gave them that money. God wants their, the agenda he has for them to be more realized than they do. But if you cannot trust them with the least, which is my man, he's not going to trust them with much. And then um, fifth point is this. We see ourselves as stewards and not owners of money when we use money wisely. You recognize that everything I have, I am a steward. It's not mine. It belongs to God. Because look at this in verse, in verse 12. He says, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? He calls money another man's. In other words, that money, that resource is his. It's not even ours. So all our boasting is in vain. All our boasting is in vain. You see, my account, my account, hash. It's in vain. So that account, what is it for? Those savings. One day, one day, after we got married, we had some small savings. And I said to Aisha, 
Our first act, this savings, is to close the account and give the money. So she said yes. So now my wife has this mindset that there's no, with Joe, if we have money, stop dreaming because God could just tell him or he could say God said we should give it all away anyway. Why? It was important that we sanctified. You see, it's gone deadly quiet here. It's gone very quiet. Those of you listening on the internet, it's very quiet right now. You see, the reason why we did this, or the reason why I did it actually, and she agreed in Jesus' name, was because I wanted to make a statement to God that every penny that comes into this house belongs to him. Every penny. And that he can, he can have claim anytime. I remember one day, there was a certain something, money that I, I had, and I really was happy that we have finally had this thing. I was so happy. There's this lot of money. We have it. I was really happy. I felt really good. We can plan the future. And then I, I just kept getting this niggly thing. Can you give it all to God? No, I can't. That was the answer. I actually don't want to. And it just kept coming. This thing that you really like. Can you give it all to God? Not really. No. But of course, I never said no. I said yes. Yes. But I kept quiet. Didn't share with Aisha. Didn't share anything. Then oh, it just kept coming. This thing, you really, can you give it all to God? Finally, I said to Aisha, and I said, you know, babes, I've been thinking. I didn't even finish the sentence. I've been thinking this. Oh, she said, I've been thinking the same thing. We should give this thing away. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I was hoping, I've never admitted this to her. I was hoping she would say, well, I'm not feeling it. Then I said, well, Lord, you know, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I was hoping that was going to, by, by that time she had been matured in the things of God to a level that overtaking me. So she was like, yeah, I've been feeling, I've been feeling the exact same thing. I never, I never told her, I said, amen, that's really, that's really good, amen. <laughs> Sometimes, when you are worshiping God with your money, it's going to hurt. You see, at times, people say something like this. I'm not feeling it. Listen, beloved, at times you will not feel it. I'm just telling you the truth. At times, you see, you don't need God to tell you to do the right thing, or to do something good. Lord, that person is sick. Should I go and visit them? No, go and visit them. You need God to tell you not to visit them. You know, uh, let's say there's a need. Somebody needs to be paid for. How many of you want to go to refresh, but you're finding a struggle? You would like to go to refresh, you know, camp, but you're finding a struggle financially. Wonderful. Come on, just see. Wait, wait. Look, somebody else, okay, you're not finding a struggle. You just, you just want to go. Okay. Many times... You can help somebody go to something you yourself don't want to go. <laughs> but we're waiting for God to tell us. God, if you tell me, then I'll give the money. No, you don't need God to tell you that. Are you still here or have you gone home? Are you still here? Say to your neighbor, are you still here? So my question is this. And finally, I want to say this and then we'll conclude. I'll conclude. 
conclude this teaching next week. We use our money wisely when we recognize that our use of money is either serving God or serving mammon. Verse 30. No one, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will love the one, he will hate the one, sorry, and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Say cannot. You cannot serve God and mammon. Listen to me. Right now, how you use your money shows who you are serving. And let me show you how you can tell if you're serving mammon. By reading my book, The Disciple and His Money. <laughs> no. By your confidence in money or your confidence in God will show you who you are trusting. You see, you are a servant by default, either of God or mammon. And how you use your money shows who you serve. We are talking about how to shine in 2017. I'm not going to lie to you. If you want to fulfill God's assignment for your life, it is going to cost you. It will cost you many things. Especially if you are looking three years, five years down the line. For some of us, the reason why we are under so much pressure and stress is because of the decisions we made that were rooted in mammon, not in God's assignment. Because any assignment God leads you into, yes, there will be challenges, but you will always have rest. You will always have peace in your spirit. There will be challenges. You will face difficulties. But when you realize that the circumstances that I'm in, the way things have turned out, it's always pressuring me. Financially, when money is the final consideration concerning our actions, mammon has a foothold somewhere. I want to encourage you to shine. Can you say amen? amen. So we're going to pray and then we're going to do some ministry. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You might be here right now and you do not know the Lord Jesus. And uh, I have shared about using money wisely if you want to fulfill God's assignment for your life. And you know in your heart that money has a place that it shouldn't have. And you are saying today you want to surrender your heart to Jesus. If that is you, raise your hand where you are because I want to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hand raised. And you might be a believer here. And you know that right now, as I have been ministering, your decisions are governed more by money than by God's will. And you want that thing broken off your life. Raise your hands where you are. I want to pray with you as well. Keep your hands raised. Quickly. Quickly. Those of you who have raised your hands, I want you to stand. I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you. And I want to commend you for being courageous and honest and humble. Keep your hands raised. The rest of us, keep our eyes closed. I want to pray with you. If you want to stand, either you're surrendering your heart to the Lord or you are wanting to break the hold of mammon from your life. You can tell, as I've been sharing, that it has a hold on you in a manner that you don't want. Remain standing quickly. Keep standing. As you're standing, raise your hands to the Lord. There are several of us who are seated who really should be standing. I want to encourage you, break its hold from your life today. Father, in the name of Jesus, concerning these precious ones that are standing, I speak grace over them. I speak life over them. I speak release over them. I pray that today 
they will begin to shine in 2017 concerning that which you've called them to. I pray, Lord, as they remain standing, as they stand before you, grace will be afforded to them. Lord, to trust you, to walk in your ways, to fulfill your assignment for their lives. And Father, I pray for those who need to know you. Reveal your son, our Lord Jesus, to them. In his name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated quickly. When every head bowed, every eye closed. Want to pray into one more area. Just quickly, let's keep our eyes. Let's close our heads bowed. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Holy Father. I want to pray for those of us here who are facing financial challenges that are overwhelming us and we really don't know what to do. As I've been sharing what I've been sharing for you, the issue is you don't know what to do. And you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. I want you to help me. I want you to stand where you are. I want to pray over you. Pray grace into you before I hand back to Edmund. If that's you, remain standing quickly, quickly. You feel overwhelmed by the financial challenge facing you right now. Quickly, just remain standing. For some, it's to do with your work situation where you just can't seem to get the employment you need. Not what you want, what you need. Remain standing quickly, quickly. For some, it just seems like one financial fire after another. Remain standing quickly. Remain standing quickly. For some, it just seems like bad financial decisions have caused you to be where you are. Remain standing quickly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for your grace upon these precious ones that are standing right now. Lord, you are a God of mercy and a God of comfort. I pray as these are standing, your Holy Spirit will grant them the wisdom and the grace that they need to come through the challenge they're facing. I ask for your favor upon them. And I ask for angels to be on assignment on their behalf. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you, Edmund. Come. Yes, thank you, Pastor Joe. 